How'd you like that story? Oh, that's fabulous. I want to talk to dads, husbands, men for the next few moments, and I want to talk to you about faithfulness. And in fact, we're going to call this message, You Can Count on Me. You can count on me. And certainly it will, it will go. It's broader than just men. It's broader than just dads or husbands because faithfulness is an important thing for all of us, irrespective of our age or gender or what we do. Faithfulness is not a word, actually, that we hear a whole lot anymore. I even wonder if this idea of faithfulness is as fashionable as it once was which is all the more reason why we need to talk about it in these next few moments. What is faithfulness, by the way? You may be saying, all right, could you define it? And that I most certainly will do. Faithfulness means this. Faithfulness actually means to be trustworthy. It means to be dependable. It means to be reliable. It means to be consistent. In fact, in today's culture, faithfulness is a rare and extraordinarily quality And I think that it would do us good to revisit this because maybe it's been a while since you've thought about faithfulness and what does it mean to be faithful. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6, look at this up on the screen. It says, everyone talks about how loyal, everyone talks about how loyal and faithful he is, but just try to find someone who really is. Now, one of the things that you've got to love is that God is the perfect personification of faithfulness. And he wants you and I to become increasingly more of what he actually is. Psalm 33. I want you to look at this up here on the screen. Psalm 33. What does it say? For the word of the Lord is right and true. Then look at this highlighted portion. He is faithful in all he does. He is faithful in all he does. And the God who is faithful in every way wants you and I to be faithful as well. One of the things I want you to know, and I want you to be encouraged by this, is no matter where you currently stand in regards to faithfulness, you can definitely grow in it. And we're going to talk about that today. Furthermore, before we get into seven things I want to give you, and I'm going to go through them rather quickly, uh, faithfulness always beats being unfaithful. It's a unique verse. Maybe you've never noticed this verse before, but you can look it up. It is in the Bible. Look at it with me. Trusting unfaithful people when you're in trouble is like eating with a broken tooth or walking with a crippled foot. How many of you, that's not necessarily your life verse. You've not adopted that as your life verse. Maybe you didn't even know that it was in the Bible, but absolutely it is. But what is the implication of it? It is this. Unfaithful people are like a bad tooth or like feet that have nagging soreness. Unfaithful people. What is the writer saying? He is saying that unfaithful people are a pain. That's exactly what he's saying. Unfaithful people are a pain. How does it feel when you're counting on someone to come through for you and it turns out that they're unreliable or they're inconsistent or they're unpredictable or they're irresponsible? This is what I want you to know in the next few moments that we have together is that God absolutely rewards faithfulness. Let me say it again. God absolutely rewards faithfulness. 
And in the next 25 minutes, I want to give you seven things about faithfulness and faithful people. What does a faithful person do? What does a reliable person do? Let me give you seven real quick. All you note takers, you'll want to get this down. Number one, a faithful person keeps their promises. A faithful person keeps their promises. And I've just got to ask you, how are you doing in regards to that? If you say to somebody, hey, I'll call you later. Are you going to keep your promise? If you say to somebody, hey, I'm praying for you or I will pray for you. Are you really praying for them? Will you be praying for them? I'll see you soon. Does that really mean you're going to follow through and keep your promise? How about this one? The check is in the mail. Is that a promise that's going to be fulfilled? Faithful people will keep their promises. Look at this verse here on the screen. People who promise things they never give are like clouds and wind that bring no rain whatsoever. Can I especially encourage you today, if you're a parent, to keep your promise? And why is that? Why would I just stress that? That, a, that if you're a parent of a child, especially a small child, any age child for that matter, but especially small children, and why would I encourage that so? Because your kids... My kids, your grandkids have this uncanny, and you know this, but let me go ahead and tell it to you, have this uncanny ability to recall every promise that you've ever made to them. Even if you can't recall it, I promise they can recall it. In fact, how many of you know this? Some kids can recall promises you've never even made. (laughs) But you said, but you said. How many times have you heard that? But you said. How about this? Dad, mom, you promised me. One writer has said this, the number one problem in parent-child relationships, listen to this carefully, the number one problem in parent-child relationships is resentment. And the number one cause of resentment is broken promises. Let me say that again. The number one problem in parent-child relationships is resentment. And the number one cause of resentment is actually broken promises. Faithful people keep their promises. Ecclesiastes chapter five and verse five says this, it is better not to make a promise than to make one and not keep it. So number one, faithful people, what do faithful people do? They keep their promises. Secondly, number two, faithful people honor their marriage. Honor actually means to respect. Honor means to hold in high esteem. Check out this verse from Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. Look at this verse. The A part of the verse says this, Marriage is honorable in every way, so husbands and wives should be faithful to each other. What is the writer talking about here? It's talking about mutual faithfulness. Now, I want to just hit pause for just a moment because I want to mention something that uh, is an erroneous, incorrect statement. And uh, I want to go ahead and toss this out uh, because uh, a lot of times it's a mindset and I just think we need to debunk it. And here's the mindset. As long as I'm not committing adultery, that means that I'm faithful to my marriage. As long as I'm not committing adultery, that means I'm faithful to my marriage. And that's simply inaccurate. Because faithfulness is a choice and a choice that uh, covers a wide spectrum of possibilities. 
It does. A choice to not allow anything else to take priority over your marriage. You know, it's so easy to put other things ahead of your marriage. You can put your job ahead. That can become the number one priority. It can be hobbies. It can be sports. You can put social media above your marriage or online shopping. You can put books or friends or pets or Netflix. And these things in and of themselves are are, are not wrong as long as they have their proper positioning, their proper perspective, and that they're not taking a priority over the marriage. Other things could be added to that, but let me just say again, faithful people will honor their marriage. Number three, faithful people, be sure you get this down now, faithful people use time wisely. Now, there's a lot that we don't have in common, all right? There's just, we're different. I mean, just look down the road either way and just say, yeah, there's a lot we don't have in, in common. We, we don't. We're different in so many different ways. And I know that even now, some of you are thinking, you know, Pastor Jeff, you're up there speaking and such. And, you know, I would love to be six foot three, just like you are. But, but I'm not. And I understand. I haven't always been this tall. But fifth grade on, I was. But there is something that we all have in common. It's not equal pay. It's not equal perks. So many things we don't have in common. But what we all have in common is equal time. We all get and we all have the same amount of time. You get 168 hours a week. I get 168 hours a week. And there's numerous things that we can do with time. Time is, is congruent with money in this regard. You can use it in similar ways. With time, you can spend it. How many of you know that with time, you can waste it? With time, you can invest it. In fact, did you know that with time, you can invest it in something that will ultimately leave one day, lead one day to a lasting legacy? How are you using your time? How are you spending it? Are you wasting it? Are you investing it? Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. This is what this great church leader Paul had to say. He said, act like people with good sense. How many of you know that's just wise advice right out the gate? Act like people with good sense and not like fools. These are evil times, Paul says. So make every, say it with me, make every minute count. Say it again, make every minute count count. So in this sense, faithfulness involves managing our time wisely. Now, how can you and I manage our time? Because it's a limited commodity. We all have it in common, 168 hours a week. How can we manage our time more sensibly? And again, I'm just giving you seven, so I've got to keep moving. But I do want to pause here long enough to mention what I believe are two Uh, primary time wasters. And these are things that obviously we want to eliminate from our days, from our weeks, from our months. Here's two time wasters. Number one, a time waster of regret, of regret. And this is when you and I take so much time in our mind, in our headspace, and we're just always taking time just living in the past and continually looking in the rearview mirror, and it wastes our time. It's in the past. It's done. It's forgiven. It may have not been forgotten by you, but it's been forgotten by God. And it's a time waster. Anytime you're looking in the rearview mirror and dwelling on the past, the regret and the shame, it becomes a time waster. 
waster. You're just wasting time needlessly that God does not want you to waste. Don't waste your time on regrets over the past. Here's another time waster. And this time waster is worry. It is the anticipation of things that could or could not happen in the future. It is stressing out over something that has not even happened. And you don't need to do that. And I just encourage you, like Paul said, make every minute count. Use every bit of your time wisely. Don't waste your time with regret or things in the past that you can't change. And don't waste your time with worry, things that are beyond. You know what has been proven again and again? Most of the things that we, are, we worry about never happen. We worry about all kinds of things. That's going to happen. I worry, I worry every year during football season that Georgia is going to win a national championship and it doesn't happen. I've wasted my time worrying about it. It doesn't happen. It never happens. Perhaps this could be the year. Your Heavenly Father knows you've got a crowded schedule and he wants to help you with it. So go ahead and ask him. Have those real conversations with God. God, what is a part of my schedule? What am I wasting time on? Is it regret? Is it worry? Is it something else? God, what is it that you want me to eliminate from my schedule? Evaluate that. Process that. Take time this week to just say, God, in the course of a week, in the course of a day, what am I doing? What am I doing that is a waste of time? What do I need to eliminate? Ask God for help practically, pragmatically. God revealed to me what I need to add to my schedule. Is there anything that I should be doing that I'm not doing? In fact, God, is there anything that I should be doing that I'm not doing? And the reason I'm not doing it is because I'm so busy doing things that I shouldn't even be doing in the first place. See, faithful people are people who keep their promises. Faithful people honor their marriage. Faithful people use time wisely. And then number four, faithful people, they make great friends. If you're a faithful person, that, that really is a prerequisite for being a great friend. Great friends are loving. Great friends are supportive. And the reason why they're reliable they're consistent. If you've got a need, you know that they're going to be there to help you with it. If you ever have a crisis in your life, you know that they're going to show up. How do you know it? You know it because they are faithful friends. Proverbs seventeen seventeen says this, and you see it on the screen. A friend loves you all the time and a brother helps in times of trouble. It has been said that friendship, I want you to listen carefully to this, that friendship doubles our joy and divides our grief. I want you to think about that. Do you have that kind of friend? If not, I hope that you will seek to be that kind of friend or, or uh, you know, search out a friend that's just like that. Friendship doubles our joy and divides our grief. One writer says it this way, and this is so true. Listen to it. Often we have no time for our friends, but all the time in the world for our enemies. Isn't that true? Because we spend so much time dwelling or thinking about it. See, you and I, we need great friends. I hope. I mean, that's a reality for my life. I hope it's a reality for your life as well. 
You need faithful people in your life. You need people that you can be honest with. You need people that you can be transparent with. You need people that if you ever have a crisis in your life, you know, you never even question it for a moment. You know they're going to show up because they are. They're consistent. They're reliable. They're supportive. You need friends like that. But you also need to be a good friend. I run into people all the time, and it's like they're always bemoaning the fact that they don't have great friends. And depending on the nature of the relationship that I have with them and the leverage that I may have to be able to speak into their life, I will often challenge them to become the kind of friend that other people want to have. Because a lot of times, and I've seen this mindset so many times, I'm just going to sit back and wait and wait and wait and wait and wait until a good friend comes my direction. Can I just be plainly honest with you? You're going to continue to wait and wait and wait and wait because you need to be an initiator. You need to be off on the offense, not playing defense, not just waiting until somebody comes to you. Do you want to have those kind of friends, faithful friends? Well, good. Then go out and make some friendships just like that. Don't wait for people to come to you. I've got a question. It's not a trick question, but if you like to hunt, and I know that we have a lot of hunters. I know I've spotted several already. If you like to hunt, just wave your hand at me like this. If you like to hunt, if you do, especially deer hunt, you're going to appreciate this story. I read it, you know, and you know how I, I do by now. If I read a story and I don't laugh out loud, I just pass it by. But if I read a story and it makes me laugh out loud, eventually you're probably going to hear it. So here's one of those stories. A group of friends went deer hunting and they paired off in twos for the day. That night in the evening, one of the hunters returned alone, staggering under the weight of this trophy, big eight point buck. Where's Henry? The others asked. I guess Henry had a stroke of some kind. He's a couple of miles back up the trail, the hunter replied. You mean to tell us you left Henry laying out there and carried the deer back? They inquired. Listen to what he said. It was a tough call, but I figured that nobody was going to steal Henry. <laughs> you hunters appreciate that, I know. I know because I tried it out on a couple of hunters this week, and they seemed to enjoy it. That's why I brought it with me today. Number five, faithful people manage his money with care. Dave Ramsey, I love Dave Ramsey. I listen to at least two of his podcasts every morning. Dave Ramsey says that managing money is 20% knowledge and 80% behavior. A lot of people think I can't manage money because I don't understand money. 80% behavior. It's not as complex as a lot of people want to make it. What does God do? Can I tell you exactly what God does? God entrusts you and me with money. And then he stands back and he carefully watches to see what we will do with it. You know why he does that? Listen, listen, listen. This is so important. It is a test of faithfulness. God says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give them money, and then I'm going to watch how they handle it. And if they handle it well, I may make them a steward or a manager over even more. And so I ask you that question. Are we trustworthy managers? Are we trustworthy stewards? Take a look at this verse up on the screen. This is Luke 16, 11. Jesus said, so if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That's an important statement. Have we proven? Are you doing this? Am I doing this? Are we proving that we are faithful and consistent with money? 
are we diligent and reliable, consistent workers? And I'll come back to that in just a moment. I mean, are you doing something? Are you doing something to create an income? It's sort of like friends. You can't just wait, you know, sit back and wait, 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 wait for that job, for that career, for that opportunity, that expanded education to come in your direction. You've got to be an initiator. You've got to be a motivator. You've got to go out and you've got to work hard. And that's a good thing. Listen, working hard is not a bad thing. How many of you know working hard is a good thing? And you're faithful and you're reliable. And then you go out and you earn an income. And then do we pay our bills on time? That's part of managing money. Are we faithful? You know, uh, are we managing our, our, our bills on time? Are we paying our bills on time? Here's another thought. Are we generous with the money that God has blessed us with? Is it all about me, me? Every time I get money, it's me, me, me. Every time I get a raise, it's about me, me, me. It's increasing. How do I keep increasing my lifestyle more and more? And I, I would just encourage you know, you to wrestle this to the ground sometime. Do you ever reach a point when enough is enough? Or you say, that's enough. But that's not our culture. The American culture is every time I get more, it's about more for me. And how do I raise this? And how do I do more of that? Listen to what Andy Stanley, a lot of you know Andy Stanley. This is what he writes in one of his books. He said, Jesus taught his followers a rather interesting definition of greed. He said that greed is the assumption that everything placed in our hands is for our consumption. Listen to that again. That greed is the assumption that everything placed in our hands is for our consumption. Can I just take it a step further since we're in church? Are you faithful with the Lord's tithe? Well, that's my money, Pastor Jeff. No, no, no. The tithe belongs to him. See, even in tithing, I don't have time to get into it. Even when we tithe, we're not really giving. We're simply returning to God what is his in the first place. Giving is when we go beyond the tithe. The tithe means 10%. You know that if you've been here. It's when we say, well, I'm going to go beyond that, and I'm going to find some other kingdom initiatives that I want to be involved in. I want you to look at this verse up on the screen. If you're not familiar with it, I pray that you'll become increasingly familiar with it. This is, again, this great church leader, Paul. And he said, on the first day, the first day of every week, Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Guys, if you would keep that up for just a moment, because there's three truths related here to what Paul would say as a faithful giver. He said, first of all, a faithful giver is regular and systematic. On the first day, you see that phrase there? On the first day of every week, on Sunday, the first day, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be systematic in my tithing, in my giving, the first day of every week. Secondly, tithing is not just systematic, it's planned. It's planned. It's not an afterthought. Look at the phrase here. It's set aside a sum of money. I know so many well people, well-meaning people that they, they want to do better with money, but it's, you know, because there's not a plan, because there's not a strategy, because, you know, uh, it's like uh, Ramsey and others have said, you know, when you have like a budget, it's telling your money where to go rather than trying to find out where it went. It's, there's a plan, and the plan for us as serious-minded Christians is that we're going to have, have a strategy that God is going to be first when I get paid. God gets paid first. God gets the tithe first. It, why? It belongs to him. I'm not really giving. I'm just returning to God what is rightfully his. And we do that. It, it's a plan. It's not like, 
And again, I know this happens and people aren't just trying to consciously make it happen. It's like this. Well, I've got so many. As soon as I get that check, as soon as that, you know, that automatic deposit hits my account, I've got about 50 hands reaching out for it. I've, I've, I've got an insurance hand and a utilities hand and a rent or a mortgage hand. I've got all these different hands. I've got food. I've got clothes. I've got medical. I've got this hand and this hand and hobbies and recreation. And if at the end of the day, I've got a little bit left over, then here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give God just a little bit. Not for serious-minded, faithful Christians. It's systematic and it's planned. Thirdly, it's also proportional. It's a percentage. What does the writer say? You see that phrase, in keeping with your income. Everybody here, we all have different levels of income. You know, when I mentioned earlier, you know, that we have a lot of things that are not in common. And the thing about tithing is it's, we don't all give the same amount because our income level is not the same, but it's proportional. It's a percentage that we give back to God. Let me keep moving. We're about out of time. Number six, faithful people, I told you I'd come back to this, are diligent workers. If you happen to be in a position where you hire or you manage or you lead people on a working team, what kind of players are you always looking for? In fact, if you're a business owner right now or a manager or a leader, uh, we're at a sort of a crisis and the regard is just hard to find good employees these days. Every time I walk into a business, I see help wanted, help wanted, and they, I, they list all these different areas where they need help. When you're looking to add to your team, what kind of players are you looking for? And we all know what we look for. We look for people that are reliable, don't we? We don't look for people that are corrupt or crooked. We look for people that are trustworthy. We're not looking for people that are unpredictable or dishonest. When we're looking to add to our team, we look for people that are dependable, not people that are irresponsible or disloyal. When we're adding to the team, we're looking for people that are consistent, not irrational or unreasonable. And you know what? If you are... You know, if you're a person that you manage or steward or lead people, those are the kind of people that you're looking for. But those are the kind of people that actually all of us want to be. And part of that is how do we handle the little things in life? See, life is largely made up of faithfully doing the little things. Let me say that again. The reality of your life and mine is largely made up of faithfully doing the little things. Let me take it even a step further. And that is that real success in life and work is a collaboration of being faithful with the little things. It's not like we just launch out and all of a sudden we do something that's big, massive, and gargantuan. No, faithfulness is I do the little things consistently and faithfully. And the longer that I do the little things consistently and faithfully, then they become the bigger things and lead to bigger success in life. That's what faithful people do. Faithful people keep their promises. Faithful people honor their marriage. Faithful people use time wisely. They make great friends. They manage money with care. Faithful people are diligent workers, last of all. Faithful people are committed to a church family. Can I just tell you today, and it's not because I'm a pastor. I felt this way long before I was ever a pastor. Back in the days of my former career as a brain surgeon. God wants you to be connected to something that is much bigger than you. 
He really does. He wants you to belong to a church family. That's a fact. How do we know it? It's what the Bible says. If the Bible is really the God of our rule and faith and practice, Romans 12, 5, look at it on the screen. So in Christ, we, though many, we form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We belong to each other. You belong to me. I belong to you. We're a family. So oftentimes, you know, I'm just ministering. It's what I love about ministry. It's like people, you know, you just walk with them through a situation and they're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I, so often I just try to say, hey, 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 that, you know, I appreciate your, your gratefulness. But listen, we're all family. That's what family does. We love each other. We're here for each other. I've often told people I've got a physical family. I've, I've got a physical family but I've got a spiritual family, a church family. See, you and I never get so big in life, but what? We do not need other people. We're in a daily battle. How many of you know that? We've been talking about it in this series. We'll revisit it again, seeing the invisible. There's a battle. There's spiritual warfare going on all the time. And you need to know who you can count on. You need to know that there's a faithful army that stands with you when you're in battle. You need to know that there's a faithful team that you're a part of. matters so much. Would you stand with me as we read together our very last verse? Thank you for being here today. So glad that you came. And again, to all of you fellas, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Hope you have a great day. But I want you to read with me just before we pray, everybody, men, women, young, old, Bulldog fans and Gator fans and Noel fans and Notre Dame fans, John 13, 35. Can we all read it together? This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. Our love for each other becomes a witness to the world. Jesus said the world is going to recognize that you belong to me and you belong to each other because you love, because you're faithful. Let's pray together. God, I just pray today that you would just help us to become increasingly faithful. We feel challenged today. and That's a good thing because especially as men, we love a good challenge. We want to conquer the next mountain. We want to climb the next hill. We want to achieve the next feat. And I pray that in all of our dreaming, in all of our planning, that we would just say, God, we want to be more faithful. Help us to become consistent. Help us to become more reliable. Help us to be trustworthy. Everything that we've heard and talked about today, that we would become more faithful. And if you're here today and you're not yet a Christian, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and you'd say, Jeff, 
I want to become a Christian today. And you may not even fully understand all that that means, but it's simply saying, I believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that Jesus is the son of God, that he came from heaven to earth and he went in obedience to the father, to the cross. And on the cross, he died for my sins. He didn't do anything. He was completely innocent, but he shed blood so that my sins can be forgiven and I can have a reserved spot in heaven. And we come to him on the basis of faith. We don't come because we've earned it. We don't come out of good words. We don't come on the basis of what we've done. We come on the basis of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. And we say, Jesus, thank you. Come into my heart. And you just do that right now. Jesus, if you're not a Christian, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, forgive me of all my sins. I love you. I love you. I want to know what it is to serve and follow you. We ask all these things in your strong name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here. Happy Father's Day. Guys, be sure to grab a barbecue sauce on your way out and cook something this afternoon.